What is up, everybody? This is Brayden from Flint Mastering, and I am the host and content curator of the Mixing Music Podcast exclusive episodes. And today we have for you an exclusive archive, which means you're going to hear an exclusive episode that DK and I recorded almost a year ago. You're going to have the chance to hear what our exclusive episodes are all about and how much fun and learning goes on between me and DK as we discuss technical tips and important techniques in relation to producing mixing and mastering. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to be a part of the exclusive content we provide twice a week, you can do so by heading over to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. And we couldn't do this podcast without you. I hope you enjoy this episode of the exclusive archives. And with that, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. Welcome back to another exclusive subscriber-only episode of the Mixing Music Podcast. I am your host for today, Brayden from Flint Mastering, and freshly back from Japan, we have him, the legend, our lord and savior, back from his vacation, (laughs) daddy, DK. What's up, DK? Welcome back, dude. dude. uh, It's good to be back. (laughs) The lord and savior bit. <laughs> That's like borderline too much. But hey, I'm back. We had fun in Japan. Um, I'm excited for these next few clips. Yeah, I, I'm super excited that you're back. Uh, I'm sure everyone got tired of listening to me for a couple weeks. And so we finally get DK's professional, super hip takes on everything. And uh, today we're going to go right into a clip from Dr. Mix. For those of you that don't know who that is, he is a YouTuber. He has over 600,000 subscribers. Um, he's a mix engineer, mastering engineer. He does lots of gear reviews. And he also gives lots of really, really great mixing advice and tips on his channel. So make sure you go check it out if you haven't, Dr. Mix. And uh, in this clip, he's going to tell us about different kinds of microphones. And the clip might seem really basic to those of you who know a lot about microphones, but we're going to get DK's take on this and uh, some applications for these mics. So without further ado, Dr. Mix, roll the tape. Today we'll talk about types of microphone. There are three main types, dynamic, condenser, and ribbon. Dynamic microphones are the ones that you would typically see on a stage. The SM58 is a classic vocal microphone for live performance. This type of microphone is a little bit less sensitive than others and uh, they react well with very loud signals and they don't distort as much. They are also used for close miking. So, for example, the SM57 is the typical microphone for snare drums. It can handle a lot of level without distorting. Then there are condenser microphones. These are a lot more sensitive than dynamic microphones and they also can reproduce the top end a lot better. Most of them cannot handle very high sound pressure and that's why they tend to be used more at a distance. And then there are ribbon microphones. I love ribbon microphones. They sound very smooth, they're silky, and they have this good quality of making harsh sounds not harsh. So they're a very good choice for heavy hand percussions like tambourines or electric guitars cabinets. 
Okay, cool, DK. So in that clip, it's pretty basic. He tells us about the three different kinds of microphones, dynamic, condenser, ribbon, what they're used for, their purposes, maybe their distances you put them from instruments and things like that. So let's let everyone know what are some of your favorite microphones, dynamic, condenser, and ribbon, and then some of your favorite applications you have or and or unique applications for microphones. So this is interesting. I think my answer is going to vary based on the perspective. Um, I think the first lesson that I want to kind of teach or to kind of think about, everybody to think about, I think the the best microphones are the ones that you have. <laughs> I think that's the first thing. And if you kind of get caught up on thinking that the minute differences between this type of condenser mic and another type of condenser mics is the difference between a billboard Grammy-winning record and a home record, it's not. I mean, it can help, and there are microphones that sound better. Um, but honestly, with the way the marketplace is now and the economy of music equipment, um, you can't really miss. It's more about the room, the performance, the performer, and the instrument than it is about the microphones these days. So I want to be very clear about that. If you, I think it is a good investment to have at least one or two of each type of microphone. I think ribbon is the one that you don't really need to have, although it is good to have, you know, a at least one ribbon microphone for various instances. I like to use one ribbon microphone as a mono overhead for drums when I'm doing funky stuff, when I literally just got a kick drum hi-hat. And just like have that mono, super thick, crunchy, uh, up the middle, funky drum sounds. Like, I like that. Um, but... As far as like, sorry, my son's with me and he's like singing along. But um, as far as the, uh, the different type of microphones go, my favorite condenser for most vocalists is not the most popular one. What everybody thinks is the C800 by Sony. Do not like that microphone. It's, it's a little bit too bright and brittle, but people like it. My favorite is actually the C12. Um, and there's many... I've built my own as well. I've never owned a vintage one, but we've had a couple of vintage ones at my school. Um, another one that I just do not like is newer 87s. Vintage 87s are better, but still still not my favorite, um, but they are better. Uh, more importantly, even if I say that I don't like a microphone, I think that you should still try them out and figure out that you like them or you don't like them for the same reasons that I don't like them. The, the thing is, like, I don't want to have people sign off a microphone just because of my opinion. It's very important that you are open-minded and try your own and come up with your own opinions. This is incredibly important. But I know many people that have made great sounding records with cheap microphones than some people who've made bad sounding records with expensive equipment. It's not about the equipment. Um, and you can use only 57s on everything and have a great recording if you know what you're doing. Um, as far as, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. I, th I don't really know what to say from all my years of recording. I think the biggest thing that I learned the most was to continue to try different sources with different microphones. I think that's the only way that I got better. I, I don't want to say and like pigeonhole people into thinking that you have to use ribbons for horns because sometimes condensers worked great for horns depending on the song. And I recommend you try them out and... If you wanted to, put up both and then solo or reference in whenever in your DAW later at a different time, like pick the one or maybe even blend both signals to figure out if that's the, what's good to go, you know, if that's what's the best use. Um, it's really interesting. These are really just tools and um, yes, they can be expensive. Uh, 
But again, like the marge, the difference of quality from a $500 microphone to a $15,000 microphone is not as big as you think. And I want like maybe below $500, like a $35 Amazon Chinese mic to a $200 mic is going to be a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and a $200 mic to a $1,000 mic is going to be a decent big difference. But anything 500 and above is, is not that different to begin with. So, um, I mean, I'm biased because I'm sponsored by Loughton. I love Warm Audio and their microphones as well. Uh, Aventone has great um, uh, affordable mic options. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, DIYmics.com has like mic kits that you can buy and build yourself, which uh, is really, really great if you're confident with soldering and, and components. It's really, really great. Um, yeah, that's just kind of my two cents and things that I wanted to add. That's, that's what came to mind, uh, listening to this reel. So I'm kind of curious if you know anything about this. I think I may have mentioned it in the last episode. I did a, an episode on mastering expectations with Al Schmidt. And I have heard from several people that Al Schmidt was so good at knowing his different microphones and knowing mic techniques that he didn't use any EQ after he mic'd stuff. Do you know anything about that? And is that true? Like, could you get away with that? I've heard that before, and I've heard similar instances with other engineers. It's, it's I mean, conceptually, conceptually, it, it is true, and I don't doubt that it was true. Um, I mean, if you have a great room, a great mic selection, and wonderful players, great arrangement then anything is possible. And I think that those are the secret components. Like at the, po at the point when Al Schmidt was claiming to be able to do that or was able to do that, um, everything else was already in place. Now, there, are, there is a lot of truth. Like, for example, um, it can become really scientific. Mic placement within a room, and um, if you're recording a live band, uh, mic placement against other instruments and uh, dividers and uh, gobos between different players and how the room reacts and, and using no points of the microphone in their, in their different polar patterns to cancel other instruments out to mainly pick up the instrument that's in front of them. For example, like... You may use a ribbon um, because it picks up front and back of the microphone, but it doesn't it doesn't pick up anything as much on the sides, right? Or a hypercardioid will pick up something directly, a little bit directly in front of you, but not to the left and right. So, like using those null points to your advantage to kind of uh, um, to not have to control the bleed. Uh, and yes, if when you when you mic up, for example, an upright bass, how close or what part of the upright bass you're miking drastically changes the tone of that instrument. So absolutely, I do not doubt for a second that Al Schmidt and others that are uh, extremely experienced recording engineers uh, are able to do that. I mean, just think about how deep we can get into mic selection, placement, and uh, uh, placement of between microphone and the singer. The distance of the microphone from the singer, uh, the tone of voice, their their uh, range of vocal versus the mic that they're using, their natural vocal resonances versus the angle of the microphone to hang it from an upside down position or a right side up position. People get as nerdy as to be like different pop filters have different sounds. Uh, the size of the room and where you put the acoustic treatment. Thing, even just with the nuance of a vocal, you can really tell how intricately. Uh, uh, how intricate recording sessions of bigger caliber, higher caliber, and bigger sessions can become. 
And I have no doubt that with practice and with Al Schmidt's recording that that is something that is totally possible. Yeah, I totally think that you can record uh, everything without barely using EQ. And and I think that that should be relatively like your goal. Like I think you, as we talked about earlier, like testing out different microphones on different sources, that should be your thought is to make your job easier by not having to do as much later. And that's why you should pick and determine which microphones work for different sources in different positions. Um, you know, when different parts of the room, <laughs> it's all very, very important to uh, to at least test and to try out. And and that's the only way that you can learn is to test because you move from one room to another. All of a sudden you have to restart and you kind of have a baseline idea based on the tone of the microphones. But the room itself will drastically change the tone of what the recording sources. Yeah, that reminds me of a YouTube video I saw one time where they took the same drummer with the same drum set, uh, same groove same microphone everything and just stuck them into different rooms and just like you said the recording changed drastically they put the mic in the same position everywhere they went the size of the room the acoustic treatment whether it had concrete walls or wood walls or wood flooring or ceilings all of that completely changed the sound of the recording which i thought was really cool it was a really unique and fun experiment to watch so last question i have before we wrap up this episode for you dk you have had interns working for you for a long time. What's like the number one mistake you see interns make with miking when they first come to the studio? Oh, are you trying to fish an answer out of me? No, no, I'm not at all. I'm just number one mistake with microphones is not putting them away properly. Okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the. I think that's the biggest one. Unless what 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 kind of answer were you looking for? I feel like you're kind of looking for a. Uh, I guess in terms of like techniques, like they, they show up and you're like, hey, go mic this guitar or go mic this drumster or whatever. And they do something that you're like, no, 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 no. You don't want to do that. Huh. Um, I mean, I wonder, a part of me is like yelling like, you, there's really no way to go wrong. I mean, if you have a microphone, I guess like the number one thing that I would say like, no, that's not right is if they put up a microphone, it's a cardioid microphone, but they're, they're like, it's a directional microphone. It, it, the, but they use the wrong side of the mic or they have the mics backwards or something. I think that would be it. Cause that, that would be like, okay, stop. We, this isn't working. It sounds really bad. But I mean, if a microphone's in front of something, I think, yeah, I think it's more like cleanup and setting up or like over cranking the mic stand. I think that or like bad use of leverage and weights on the mic stand and destroying mic stands and not wrapping cables correctly are like the bigger problem than anything else. Um, Got it. But yeah, I think the other thing is like, I don't know if there's any big no-nos. Like no matter if you put a microphone in front of something, it's going to pick it up, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's more about, there's no no-nos, but there's going to be things that you have to learn on your own that sound better. Things are going to sound better. So you're going to like, for example, like maybe put up a microphone in front of a vocalist and the microphone and the vocalist is like basically licking the microphone and he forgot to put a pop shield in front of it or something like that. You know, pop filter in front of it. Maybe that's a big no-no. I, I don't know. Um, but you got to try stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's people not thinking about their mic placement. I think that's the big thing. You put a Dynamic 57 in front of a cab and they didn't even like think about it. It's like, yo, did you want to move it around or try a different mic or put another mic next to it? It's, I think that's, that's not a big no-no. It's more like it's, it's something that comes with experience. And, and to be fair, uh, a very good and experienced recording engineer 
is incredibly important, highly sought after, and hard to find. I think in these days with how cool it is to be a mixing engineer, people are slowly starting, and like everybody's just doing vocals, people are forgetting how deep and important the recording process is. Mm. Very cool. Well, that's, uh, that's good to know. So make sure... When you're at home, wrap your cables properly. Don't over-tighten your mic stands. And then also test out the mic positions on everything you're doing. So basically, like it seems like what you were saying is don't just set a microphone somewhere and forget it. Be intentional about where you're placing the microphone. And be intentional because you've practiced and you have tried microphones in different positions. So cool. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode there. If you guys have any more questions, feel free to DM me on Instagram at Flint Mastering. You can also DM DK at DK Mixes. Uh, he gets a lot more messages than I do. <laughs> so he's got a little less free time and he's got a family. So uh Anyway, for other cool, free, and helpful stuff, links.dkmixes.com. No, no, no. Li yeah, links.dkmixes.com. And then youtube.com forward slash dkmixes. Go subscribe. Twitch.tv forward slash dkmixes for the live streams. And I forgot to say it at the beginning of the episode, but as always, thank you for subscribing. We love you. We appreciate you. And we couldn't do this without you. And we're happy that you continue to join us and support us as we strive to support you. So this week for the challenge, try out different mics if you've got them. If you're interning, somewhere you know put the cables away right don't over tighten the stands and uh test out different mic positions and with that dk sign us off my man happy mixing my friends and stay saucy